swear to God, man, almost, 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 almost Kevin Barker feels like opening day. Don't know why. Maybe it's the fact that we know now that the Blue Jays are going to be back here, right? July 30th. They're coming home, folks. They will be home. As a matter of fact, isn't this great? They will be taking batting practice at the Rogers Center or getting prepared to take batting practice at the Rogers Center just as the trade deadline concludes. Yes. Wrap your head around that for a minute. I mean, think back to 2015 and think back to the excitement of David Price and Troy Tulowitzki. So, it does, to me at least, it, it feels, doing this show feels different today, Kevin, than it did on Friday. One, we know the Jays are back. Two, Texas Rangers, they gone. They've been swept. Now it's the Boston Red Sox. Seven of the next ten games. First of three going tonight at Salem Field. You got three games against the Mets thrown in there. And, Bark, the games haven't been played yet, but let's look at what has happened. Jacob deGrom, he's in the IL. You ain't seeing Jacob deGrom. <laughs> now, I was kind of looking forward to seeing Vladdy and ja- No, I'm just happy they're not seeing Jacob deGrom. That, that, <laughs> that, that showdown can happen in the World Series or something. They're missing Nathan Yovaldi in this series as well. Oh, and by the way, the Jays are six games over 500. That ties their season high. The Red Sox have lost a couple of games in a row to the New York Yankees. Couldn't put the Yankees away yesterday. Couldn't put them away in that three-game series. As we go into this series, the Red Sox are 56-38. and 38. Tampa Bay is 55 and 38. The Jays are 48 and 42. Yeah, they're six out of first place. But as I said, they got seven of the next 10 games against the Boston Red Sox. They're two and a half back of the wild card. The team they're chasing in the wild card, and Tampa's ahead of them, but the Oakland Athletics have played five more games so far than the Jays. So, Bark, to me, it just feels different. It feels different now than it did on Friday. It yeah, really maybe is. we'll have an interview. Remember that interview we had with David Price when he was in the restroom and we heard some flushing going on? Maybe we'll hear, you know, have one of those interviews where it's an odd place that we're talking to a really good player that, that they just added for the next couple of years Max and they're going to make playoff runs. And who did you say? Max Scherzer having what? a colossal Cy Young dump or something like that. <laughs> I like that. How, how about that? Yeah. yeah look, look we, we've been talking about this for the last week or so. The, the people that I've been talking to, the, the pitching coach, the, the all the pitchers are so excited to get out of a minor league ballpark to, you know, attack with their best stuff. Just have it feel like it's a big league stadium, which it is. You know, having fans there, what are they having, 15,000 fans? That, mm-hmm. that, that'll that be tremendous. It'll sound like 50,000 people. They'll be so excited. It'll be two years of frustration, just yelling and screaming, all excited about, you know, watching some of the best players on the planet hit the baseball as far as they're going to hit the baseball. And then, you know, Ryu's been talking about and had, had conversations that he's excited. He'll be able to use his change up, be able to command in a little bit more. They'll just look that much better. And, again, it's like what you started the show with. What if they go out and make a huge move, maybe a above average move? It don't even have to be a huge move. It could be above average move. And and when it comes to, you know, he, them coming to the Rogers Center instead of coming to Buffalo, how fu- how much fun would that be? And, and hopefully we're around to do it. Me, me and you, maybe you'll be at the field. Could be. 
one never knows. We got a little bit of news on uh, Baseball Central that we'll pass on later on in the show. Uh, the Jays swept both ends of a doubleheader yesterday. Of course, Saturday's game was raining. I swept both games a doubleheader yesterday. Five nothing and ten nothing over Texas. I, look, first of all, I'm going to throw this out there. Texas is a crap team, but <laughs> five nothing and ten nothing. That that's yeah, they're crap teams, and and then there there are times where you just completely you just completely owned a couple of games, and that's exactly what the Blue Jays did. Two games over seven innings, seven innings each game because of the uh, the doubleheader. Uh, Hyunjin Ryu gets his first complete game, or gets the first complete game shutout since Mark Burley in 2015 against Washington. I know it's only seven, still counts as a complete game shutout. And, and you, 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 we talked a little bit about Hyunjin Ryu before we came in the air, Bark, and hit 93, on the gun, which, you know, is is notable only because there have been times this year where he hasn't hit in 90. He sat 90 for the most part. Um, and is, But all that aside, that would that to me, when I look at Hyunjin Ryu with velocity, it just shows me that he feels really good about himself. He was pitching on 10 days. That aside, Bark, it was that changeup. It, it was that changeup that we've needed to see and the cutter that we've needed to see for such a long time, probably yeah. for five or six starts. Yeah, how about that? How about he had facial hair, too? He's sitting around thinking, hey, well, how can I change things up? How can I give myself a different look? You know, I feel good. Look at me out here. I look so good. Now I'm going to dominate. I'm going to have a great arm slot with all my pitches. That'll make my cutter go where it wants to go. That'll be able to, you know, maybe add a couple of miles an hour to my fastball. You, the changeup down and away had good fade to it, occasionally had some sink to it. Uh, you, for me, the one thing that stood out was confidence. You, you could tell he shook to the changeup a couple of times. Mm-hmm. He threw back-to-back changeups a couple of times. Now, again, you mentioned it. Texas Rangers are one of the worst teams in baseball, but who cares? If you can gain some confidence by f- facing one of the one of these teams that you can dominate with, you know, the, the lefties had a tougher time. His, in his last start, he gave up some hard-hit balls against lefties. The location down and away to a lefty was better. Again, I mentioned it. He, he was doing the arm speed, the arm slot, and the confidence. When all three of those things are there and you can mix in the location it's the old Ryu well it certainly was it certainly was and again I'm just going to leave aside for a minute who they were playing um to get that out of out of of Ryu I mean this is this is the thing let's think about where we are we talked about uh, uh, this is the biggest stretch of the year for the Jays and the one thing they did getting through Texas. And I admit I was a little concerned about this with the rainout. Not only have they did they sweep Texas, not only are they six games over 500 matching a season high, but, Park, that bullpen is it's where you want it. It's where you want it going into the biggest game of the series. Against, or I'm sorry, going into, the I think, the biggest, the biggest three games since the last time you <laughs> faced Tampa. But going into these three games, you got your bullpen exactly where you want it. You got Ross Stripling, who's been good lately. You've got Alec Manoa, who you, you, you think might rise to the occasion against Boston. I just got a feeling about that. And you're missing their best. You're missing Nathan Uvalde. I, I mean, it, it's God, it's hard to draw this up any any better, which scares the you know what out of me. Oh, it does really. It does, not me. This is. 
this is what you want when you're a young team. You're a team trying to go where you ultimately want to go, which is the playoffs. You gain two two games, right? On Friday when we left talking, they were eight games back and four and a half yep. back in the wild card. Now they're they're six and two and a half back. That's you gain some ground. You do it against a bad team. You hopefully a couple of the other teams that you're going up against are, are beating each other up, and that's how you're gaining some ground, which is fine. You know, for me, it starts with the starting pitching. Ross Stripling's going to have to be good in the first inning. His OPS is almost 970 in the first inning. It'll go down three or 400 points from the first inning on, so he has to be better in the first inning. Uh, you know, he has to pitch ahead. The OPS is is 400 points higher when when he's pitching from behind. So he has to, he has to be good with throwing strike one. He has to be able to command uh, the fastball in and out and up. You know, not so much down. I don't think because asking him to go all four quadrants is is just not. I don't think he's capable of doing that. But if you know he's not tipping his pitches now, he can locate, keep it out of the. You know, giving up the, the two or three run homer. Give that lineup a chance to figure out who they're facing. That's the whole thing is Pavetta, he's going to fill it up with some power. And the breaking ball is really good. The lineup has to be a little bit better first time through. If they can score early, take a little pressure off that starter, let him start pounding the strike zone with his best stuff. Don't nibble so much. Don't, you know, have a lot of three-two counts. Don't don't make the, the, the key mistake on the bases or or make that defensive play that, you know, they're not supposed to be making. They'll have a good chance of taking two out of three. That's what they need. They can't go out of there just winning one game. They got to be now taking two out of three in each one of these series. And you want to do it against the best team in the American League East. Yep. Well, they'll get their chance. They will absolutely get their chance. The Jays have won four in a row, of course, coming in, won, won the game before the All Star break against, against Tampa, uh, and, um, and then three against the Texas Rangers. The Jays did make. Kind of an interesting move, and it's a. They brought up Bra- Bravik Valera, who is a guy we never talk about for the most part, but a guy that they clearly, you know, they clearly have. They've got an affinity for. They held him through COVID. Like they've hung on to this guy at a time when you would think that if they had no use for him, they would have let him go. I mean, this isn't a Derek Fisher type thing. They've hung on to this guy. And and, and, and Barky's a switch hitter. He was hitting 313 at AAA. Uh, he can play third. He can play second. He can play short. He is a lead. I'm not going to say legit utility guy because I haven't seen him play enough. But let's put it this way. There are five positions that Charlie Montoya was not afraid to play this guy at. Were you surprised that they called him up now? And and what does it mean? What does it mean for for guys like Kevin Biggio? Yeah, maybe they trade try to trade to Kevin Biggio. This is why they call up a Valera to to get his feet wet, get him acclimated. Don't forget they're going to Corey Dickerson at some point. They're getting Corey Dickerson there he back goes. too, so left-handed bat. With they, they may be getting this geared up to get some pitching to get the pitching they want. Maybe they have to give up some guys that you know they weren't really expecting to give up. Maybe Valera's one of those guys. He's a switch hitter. He can play multiple positions, like you were mentioning there. You throw him in a piece with. Lourdes Gurriel Jr., I'm just throwing that name out there. I have no idea. But if you wanted to do that to package a deal to get what you want for a, a controllable back end of the bullpen kind of guy or one of those number three starters, yeah, see, then that's, Bark, that's, it, that's... It seems to me as if I don't think he's going to be traded. I think he's up here because they want to see if he can play. And if he can play, I, I think that opens the door. I think it opens the door to Kevin Biggio being moved. I, I really do. 
I, I don't think it's got anything to do with Bravik Valera being moved. They could have moved Bravik Valera months ago. I think they kept this guy because they wanted him to play. Don't forget, they moved Kevin Smith, who was having a pretty good year at AAA. They moved him off his position to get this guy some playing time at AAA. Yeah, I don't know. We, again, we haven't seen him play enough. Can he hit velocity? Uh, can he have competitive professional at-bats if he doesn't play a couple of days and then come off the bench and face a guy in the seventh inning who's throwing hard and give you a productive at-bat? We really haven't seen him do that, so we really don't know. We know that he's hitting somewhere around 300 in the minor leagues, but it's the minor leagues. You know, Can they control? Can they throw strike one with a curveball? Uh, can they expand with, with two strikes? Can they elevate with competitive pitch? No, but they can do that at the big league level. They can do it with a little bit more power and a little bit better location. They're doing it from different arm slots you know do you think of defensive first maybe that's what they're thinking if he can play third if he can play second if he can come in and pinch and play shortstop if you have to have him these are the things that they may be doing right it's run prevention Ross Atkins has come on and said it's all about run prevention if this guy can play plus defensive somewhere then I'm assuming this is why this he's in the big leagues and whatever he gives you offensively is a plus but I'm with you. They're going to have to, if they want to go out and get something that is, you know, filling in some blanks at the back end of your bullpen or maybe taking the place of a Stephen uh, Stephen Matz or giving a break to an Alec Benoa, you're going to have to give up some pieces. What are those pieces? Well, it would probably be the obvious guys, and that's when the Valeras are coming up and filling in the blanks. And, you know, when they're playing, I just think when you have bench guys – they're not hurting your team. They're only helping your team. It's like a Santiago Espinal. Every time Espinal plays, he does something good, whether it's on the defensive mm-hmm. side, whether he's hitting behind a runner, whether he's moving a runner, whether he's getting a big hit, whether he can get the head out on a fastball and hit a double down the left field line. He seems to always be doing something. So maybe that's what they're looking for, another guy like that. Yeah, I keep looking at at, at Valera. And in some ways, I wonder if maybe we aren't seeing with Kevin Biggio what we saw with Rowdy Telez. And that is, what what does Kevin Biggio give you? What is his biggest strength? Well, yeah, you can use him at multiple positions, but he's not very he's not very good at third base. Let's just say it. He's not. He I don't think he's a he's a third baseman on a team that's contending. Uh, he's a left handed bat. Right, and and he has some good at bats and all that good stuff. But he's hitting what eighth in this team, sixth, yeah. seventh, seventh, eighth, ninth, somewhere ninth. There. So it's not like we're not talking about a guy who's in the middle of the order, the top of the order. He's he's probably not ever going to be at the top of the order, the middle of the order again. Not Let, with George Springer here. That. Not with George Springer here exactly. So now, if I got a guy in Bravik Valera who can play third, second, shortstop, and both corner outfield positions. What what is what is Kevin Biggio's selling point? Valera is a switch hitter. Is he capable of doing what Kevin Biggio's done from the left side? Does it matter? My question is if he can play better defense at those positions. Does it matter if he can do if he, if he can be better than than whoever is batting sixth, seventh, eighth, or ninth? Oh, and by the way. It may not matter if he can play third base because I'll tell you what, I got a guy who can play third base that's hitting over 300. Yeah. And, and Bark, I don't know about you, but I, I do believe there are guys who want the ball hit to them. I just, I've seen it enough. I think there, there, there are guys wired that way. Santiago Espinal wants the ball hit to him. 
way he understands the only way he's going to be on this team is to, he has to catch the ball when it's hit to him. And, and he gets himself in a really good position most of the time to do that. Accuracy of his arm, the arm strength is really good, right? We've seen him throw off the wrong foot, still throw a strike to first base when the ball's hit to him. You're not holding your breath going, oh my, do you even want to look, right? You're closing, you're putting one hand over your eye and, 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 and sort of peeking with the other, hoping that, you know, they throw it and get the out at first base and Vladdy doesn't have to do a split to hurt him, hurt himself. When it, when it comes to, you know, stretching for balls, picking balls, that kind of thing. I'm with you. Valera, is he going to play every day? Probably not. Is he going to hurt your team? Hopefully not. If he does start hurting your team, he's not going to be, be in the big leagues. Right. Again, I've said this to you before. They need a Blue Jays way. And the only way you get one of those is you create a culture of it's not okay to not be any good. When you come here, you're going to give a little bit of a leash to be halfway decent. And then when mm-hmm. we start figuring out that you're not, maybe a little bit when you talk about Kevin Biggio, right? It's, we, mm-hmm. They've given Kevin Biggio a ton of rope here to figure things out when it comes to the elevated fastball. Could you say right now that if a guy could elevate three fastballs to him, he could put one of those in play hard no. and get a hit out of it? So no. That's the whole thing there, right? Is is you, you sort of if you're if you're moving on from him, that's okay too. If you have to throw him in to get something else, right? Again, it's the obvious. It's a Kirk. If you throw in Kevin Biggio, we'll give you this guy. Okay, done. So it's it's sort of that kind of thing. But I'm with you. The bottom of the order now, because of the way the top of the order is hitting, for me, is more about defense than it is for offense, right? If if Danny Jansen gives you. 10 or 12 homers, I'm okay with that. If he if he can hit somewhere around 200 and continue to block baseballs, Ryu looks more comfortable. I know he was yes, shaking he off a little bit more, but you could just tell, right, the confidence. I get it. I throw it. I know you're going to block it. I can back, I can double up on it. I can throw what I want to throw with a runner on third base. It just looks different. The optics of the whole thing is different. And Danny Jansen now, we know what he is. He's not, he's not going to hit high average, but he can run into some balls. If he gets himself mechanically sound enough from the ground up to get his foot in an athletic position, he has decent enough bat speed that if he gets a ball where he wants to get it sometimes he can bridge a guy right he can pull get the head out a little bit hit a home run create some backspin he does that twice a week i'm okay with danny chance so it's just right it's more for me about defense playing your position at the plus level and then let the top of the order do what the top of the order's been doing 590 590 is the text line please give us your name and location as well we've got a couple of really good texts in here we will get to them Again, 7.07 is the first pitch tonight from Salem Field. Nick Pavetta against Ross Stripling, the first of three between the Jays and the Boston Red Sox. As we mentioned off the top, the Jays are coming home on July 30th as a result of a decision by the federal government on Friday. We've got some news about that and also some news about Baseball Central, which I think we're kind of excited about. Yeah, we're definitely excited about it. We'll tell you about it on the other side of the break. This is Baseball Central on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. So as we mentioned, the Toronto Blue Jays are going to return home on uh, July 30th. The federal government granted the Jays a national interest travel exemption on Friday. Honestly, there are still some details being worked out. Uh, even today, we saw that the federal government announced that it has changed, relaxed uh, border restrictions. Indeed, it's opened the, the Canada-U.S. border. 
Um, so all, all of this is, you know, is, is there, it's still a little bit in flux. And there are still some nuts and bolts that need to be tightened. But bottom line is the Jays will host games at the Rogers Center starting July 30th. Be the Kansas City Royals in town. Maybe Bark. We might get Rex Hudler on that day. You think there's yes. a chance? I think Rex will be a little excited. <laughs> uh, President and CEO Mark Shapiro speaking to Hazel May. Uh, said the team has received approval to treat the stadium as an outdoor venue, so that will allow up to 15,000 fans per game. That's about 30% of the stadium's capacity. The retractable roof will be open as long as the weather allows, and additional there have been additional measures uh, to ensure proper ventilation. Of course, there's, uh, there, there's changes to the clubhouse area as well. Um, fans will notice cosmetic changes to the 100-level concourse. There's new turf, a new sound system. There will be new batting cages as well. This will be the Jays' first game at home since September 29, 2019, uh, when they beat the Tampa Bay Rays 8-3. to um, Again, details are being worked out. I know season's ticket holders have uh, received emails on this. Uh, there are going to be tickets left aside for first responders and, and, and health care workers, uh, which is something that, uh, you know, I think all of us can get behind. So that's where we are right now. As I said, I know I've spoken to a couple of people. They've received emails. They've got their tickets uh, for, for games. And, um, you know, I think it's like anything else. You know, I've been out to a couple of restaurants since this thing is reopened. And I'm just going to – one of the things that I, I truly believe in is we really need we – need, we need to be a little patient here with people, right? You need to be patient with your favorite restaurant because some of them are having difficulty hiring workers. You just – you got you, you to gotta be a little patient. So um, I, I would just suggest here that, uh, you know, people – uh, exercise a little patience when necessary, and we'll give you, uh, you know, we'll give you any further information when we get it as to what protocols are in place, uh, you know, what you may need or, or or not need to get into the stadium or things of that nature. But Bark, we've talked about this. It's um, that announcement on uh, on um, on Friday. I I texted a, a player agent and said, "How does your guy? How do your guys feel today?" And he said they feel like they said the one guy feels like it's like it's his birthday. He said, I mean, they're just they're they're ready to return home. Um, there are a lot of guys. I think Sportsnet stats where there's like 13 guys. Yeah, Ryu on this side here haven't played here. Ryu signed here and has never pitched at the Rogers Center. Think about that for a second, right? It's it's yeah. it's just it, it's it's crazy. Marcus that, Semyon's going to the All Star game or went to the All Star game with a setting foot here. There you go. So to say that the guys are ready to come back, be a part of a big league stadium consistently when, when having their home fans yell and scream for them. You know, we've heard how it sounded in Dunedin, them getting uh, – I heard Bo Bichette being booed a couple of times. It's just a heart. When you come home, you're you're being booed. They come to Buffalo, they're playing the Yankees, and there's a thousand more fans there. Oh, yeah, and there'll, be a lot the of Reds, there'll be a lot of Red Sox fans in, in today too, like – Keep an eye on that. There will be a lot of Red Sox fans at Salem Field today. That's 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 part of the even of the even plan. further to the point. You, you know, it's it's time for them to come home and and let let their fans root for them and and down the stretch be relevant. This is a big deal. That you know, Ryu said it. He is 
ready to pitch in a big league stadium, have that big league feel, getting that routine of every time, having to show up and, and represent for his for his team and his country, I'm excited for him. Yeah, forget about us, right? It's going to be more fun for us going down there and getting to talk to him face-to-face and that kind of thing, but, but more for them, right? They, they've earned the right now to come home and, and start dominating, get that foot down, get it singing, going to back leg city, throwing strike one, you know, throwing quality pitches with strike two because they can in a big league stadium, not having to worry about, you know, leaving a changeup out over the plate because they play in a minor league baseball park. Now we'll start to see hopefully them take off and do their thing and, and start winning a ton more games. Again, 590-590 is a text line. We will, uh, we will get to it in a few minutes. Now, also, this is just, this, just, just purely coincidental, but uh, Baseball Central is going to move from our regular time slot to 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern. So basically we'll be two hours leading up the Blue Jays games uh, for a month. This is a result of Tim and Friends taking a hiatus from their TV duties as a result of the Olympics, which start this Friday, I think. Uh, and then the uh, National Bank Tennis, which goes until August 13th. So basically, we will be on from 5 to 7 starting next Monday. It'll be Barker and myself. So it'll be a two-hour pregame show. Uh, we've got a couple of things we're going to be incorporating uh, in, into that as well. But uh, that'll be from 5 to 7. And there is a long weekend in there where we're on from 1 to 3. Is it August 2nd? It is, yeah. through my book. I'm still that guy that writes stuff down in a book, right, Bark? You know mm. me. I, I'm, 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 afraid of, uh, I'm afraid of technology. Right, so August 2nd will be on from 1 to 3. But the rest of the time will be on from 5 to 7. So uh, we will be, if you're, if you're driving to the Rogers Center for a game, or walking to the Rogers Center for a game or taking the GO train for a game or whatever, we will be on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. We will get you set for all the action. And it really, we really are looking forward to it. It's, uh, it's, going to be a, it's, it's going to be a pleasure to have the Blue Jays back in town. It's going to be a real privilege to play uh, some small role in, uh, in, in, sort of in, in firing up the baseball engine again in this, in this particular market. But that's for a few days down the road. As we mentioned right now, starting tonight, the Jays and the Boston Red Sox will open their three-game series. It'll be Nick Pavetta, the Canadian on the mound. Garrett Richards goes Tuesday. Tanner Houck goes Wednesday. Rob Bradford of WEEI in Boston uh, will join us. The Red Sox bark two and six in their last eight games. Uh, Christian Arroyo left yesterday's game with a hamstring strain, playing at first base, stretching, and, and, and you know what I thought of when I saw that? I, I thought of all the times I've seen Vladdy stretch this yeah. year. All yeah, Bo, the times. Oh, make better throws. Whoever's playing third base, don't be afraid to hit somebody right. in the chest one time, right? Get rid of the ball a little bit quicker, make a little bit stronger, more accurate throw to Vladdy so he doesn't have to do all those things. Yeah, it's – look, I, I've never I – pl- I played 16 years at first base. I never stretched like that. My, my footwork around the bag had to be much better. I had to use the corners that much better, get me closer to the ball. I wouldn't have to stretch as much. I, I, get me away from the runner, which is key, right? You, you're, and you're, when your foot is up on the bag, sometimes like Vladdy says, where his heel's in the air when the runner's coming and not sometimes paying attention to where he's stepping on the bag, maybe you can step on your foot and that kind of thing. Yeah, it's with without Vladdy, where would this team be? 
that 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 let's not even say that out loud but that's that's what you think of when you see guys at first base stretching getting hurt injured they need need sometimes to be a little bit better and understand what they're valuable to their team and just you know need to do a little bit better job of maybe getting to the bag a little bit quicker where you're starting your position in your position to allow you to get to the bag a little bit quicker so you don't have to do certain things around the bag first base is not a place you can just throw anybody over there all right, I got a couple of this. I've got a couple of real good questions here in the text line five ninety five ninety. Love, love, love this question. Sam H from Toronto. Bark, this is right up your alley. Which Blue Jays players who haven't played at the Rogers Center yet benefit the most from finally being at home, where they expected to play? I think we're on the same page. Were you? Were right? first yep. and foremost? He he's actually said it out loud to people that he's getting tired of pitching in his home games in a minor league ballpark. It's impossible location, velocity. You know, he's a thinker. It's hard to think his way through location and and how much he wants to throw a secondary pitch and get it in the location he wants to. Occasionally, he's going to leave a ball out over the plate. He's one of the guys. Look, Mar- Marcus. Simeon, can he benefit from that? I don't know. You know, bigger gaps and at the Rogers Center, maybe he can stay more up the middle, think right center a little bit more. Maybe that would keep him on a breaking ball a little bit longer. But, you know, maybe I'm begging there a little bit. George Springer might be a guy, too. Mm-hmm. I, I don't really know. You know, the, the playing in Buffalo benefits the hitter because he don't have to square a baseball up to be rewarded for how where you're hitting the baseball, right? If you create a little bit of backspin, you can one-hand the ball if you have strong hands and you have strong legs to mechanically overcome some mishitting a baseball with backspin. It it will it will benefit you, but again, these I, I, it's just the atmosphere. What about the, the turf, Mark, for defense? What about the turf? Yeah, maybe, maybe you know, if infielders they'll it'll they have dirt infield anyhow. There right? you go. Yeah, it'll come from it'll come from turf to turf to dirt, and you know these guys have a good 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 enough uh, positioning that they understand what what balls will do. They'll come out and take early work, which they do all the time. I, B, I just I don't think it has anything to do with the field, the, the dimensions of the field. I just think it's a big league stadium. And they're excited about that. They're excited to be rooted for instead of rooted against at home. Uh, one more very quick question, and then we'll break uh, for uh, Rob Bradford. Uh, Brian and Regina, uh, and this is a similar question to Tim from Hamilton. So both guys in the same wavelength. They're different parts of the country. Tim and Hamilton the, and, and Brian and Regina both want to know about are we worried about disrupting the chemistry of this team by trading Kevin Biggio and Lourdes Goriel Jr., whose name whose name has come up in trade discussions as well? And his point is, both points, I should say, are you can tell how much this team likes each other. I mean, we've seen those camera shots ad nauseum of guys playing around in, in, in the bullpen and, and, and having fun. But both Brian and Tim Bark want to know about, um, you know, about the problem of disrupting that chemistry. And as Tim points out, um, one thing about Lourdes Goriel Jr., he says, you know, he has some questionable route running, but he said, man, I love watching him throw base runners. So how would you stand on that? Yeah, yeah, I think I think if you bring in good players, that they'll create their own chemistry about what they do between the lines. That's what it's all about. That's These guys understand that sometimes their friends have to go different directions to ultimately become the player that they, they want to become. There's something special being brewing in, in Toronto with, you know, the, the big three with Springer and Bo and Vladdy. You know, you could throw Teoscar in there too. That, that's 
I think that's what they want to build around. Lourdes is, you know, one of those guys that obviously he is always in the corner over there with Vladdy picking on him. And, you know, George Springer, you can see him over there messing up his hair after he hit a homer. He's loved. But, again, it's, you know, to make your team better, sometimes you have to give up those certain guys to bring in a couple of pieces that will ultimately get you where you want to go. And they understand that. They, they get it. Will it be hard not having your player? We saw Vladdy FaceTime and Lourdes at the All-Star game. That's pretty cool. That, that'll tell you mm-hmm. how much they love the guy. And it may not even be Lourdes. He, he may be here after that. But I would assume if somebody come a-calling and wanted to, wanted to you know, talk about Lourdes and maybe Kevin Biggio, that, that's, a, that's a strong conversation they'll have to have. But, again, it's all about what they bring in. If the player's really good and it's helping their team win and go to the playoffs, the other players that are on this team and staying on this team will understand. Rob Bradford covers the Red Sox for WEEI in Boston. He'll join us next. This is Baseball Central. The Jays and the Red Sox will open their three-game series tonight at Salem Field in Buffalo. 7.07 will be the first pitch. Ross Stripling on the mound for the Blue Jays. Nick Pavetta on the mound for the Boston Red Sox. Kev, by the way, Nathan in Stony Creek wants to know, and I'm asking you this seriously. When you played, was it hard for you to tune out media noise and trade rumors? Like when you were on teams, did you did guys talk about it in the in, in the clubhouse? Especially I'm thinking like the the Brewers and the and, and the Reds in particular that you were part of. Did guys talk about it? Did you hear your name in a rumor? Yeah, yeah. Well, I got, I got traded two times, and both times in spring training, and it's it's not the easiest thing because you do have a lot of good friends. You are set in routines with the one team, and then that's disrupted when you go to a different team because you're trying to make all new friends. You're trying to fit in. You're trying not to, you know, stand out. That's the biggest thing. Did they talk about it a lot? I, I've never known any player to sit around and talk about. I want to get traded. I might be going here now. The highest end players, maybe because of who their agents are. Where their status is with that team, with that club, what they're maybe it will make next year, right? It's a Lourdes Gurriel Jr. We've talked about his contract. He's actually talked about it with his teammates. He understands that he might be one of the guys. Mm-hmm. He said out loud that he doesn't want to leave. So he is one of those guys. But I, most of the part that I've been around and most of the players that I've been around, they never have that conversation. They try and use it like every day, go out and do their job. They get traded, they get traded. Well, I. Tweeted out a link to this article uh, written by our next guest, Rob Bradford. Uh, Red Sox out of nowhere reality check. And that is after uh, the Sox lost two or three games to the New York Yankees this weekend. They have, in fact, uh, lost six of their last eight games. And uh, we're very pleased to uh, be joined by Rob Bradford. So, uh, out of nowhere, reality check. Uh, explain how you saw it as as a reality as a reality check. I'm not questioning you, Rob. I'm just uh, explain to me what made it it seem to you as if it was a reality check. Well, I, I, first of all, it's great to be on with you guys again. And you know, I, I think that when you go off a Friday night game, it was all right. You know, you're beating up on the Yankees. They stink, and everything's going the right direction. You come out of the All Star break. You're feeling good about yourself, even though Garrett Cole's pitching on Saturday. Even then, they win a six-inning game, whatever. But then last night, it's sort of like Martin Perez 
he's not really going to be a viable starter in the postseason, so you can't lean on him. You aren't hitting. Uh, you know, you make these moves. Christian Arroyo goes to first base to help that problem. And, you know, he pulled a hamstring right out of the gate. Jaron Duran's supposed to be the be-all, end-all, and supposed to have you go on this winning streak. Well, you know, that obviously hasn't happened. And, you know, guys, here's the thing. It's a flawed division, right? I mean, it's a flawed division. Yeah, But, you know, you just have to sort of make sure that you don't get too flawed. And what has happened over the – really, last night pointing some of these things out, that the Red Sox have maybe a few more flaws – than we thought they did when Friday night ended. And, and so you head into, now you head into a series of games against a talented Blue Jays team and a, and a Yankees team you let off the hook? Rob, Rob I'm, I'm assuming the Red Sox want to make some trades. They are in first place by, by half a game. Who is tradable for the Red Sox? It's a good question because, you know, you have – solutions with this team you have chris sale coming back you have uh you know obviously they called up duran um they have tanner Howe, guy who's going to pitch wednesday against the blue jays so you have solutions but in terms of who they can trade you know i don't think they want to give up a whole lot of top prospects they need some help at first base bobby dahlbeck has been super inconsistent so they need some help there but but really you know i think it's 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 not. They're not going to go for it. This isn't the window. I mean, there's no window when it comes to high and bloom. And I've used this analogy before. I remember Alex Anthopoulos telling me that we have the Edwin Encarnacion and and Jose Batista window, right? High bloom doesn't look at that that way. He looks at it. We got a good team. We're going to call, we're going to supplement it however way we can, and we're going to go from there. But it's, I don't think they're going to make any enormous trades. Okay, okay, you just you just set this up nicely. You mentioned help. The Blue Jays played the Red Sox August the 6th at the Rogers Center. Any chance we see Chris Sale in any of those three games? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it's so he's pitching a rehab assignment in Portland uh, on Tuesday. You know, you figure probably two more after that. You know, so I think there's a really good chance that's the case. So, you know, and everything's going pretty well. Listen, it's, it's taken longer because he had a neck thing and he had COVID. But all, all things are going pretty well for him. And, you know, for the Red Sox, they need him. I mean, listen, they need him. They need some certainty in that rotation. And you don't want to rely on certainty from a guy who hasn't pitched in a year and a half, but so be it. You know, you have, you have the guy, Nick Favetti, you mentioned. You have Nathan Evaldi, you have Eduardo Rodriguez, and you have Chris Sale. There you go. There's your postseason starters. It's not perfect, but they're going to need Chris Sale to be one of those guys. You know, uh, Alex Reimer had a, had an had an interesting article, uh, your colleague, and I wanted I, I was trying to figure out how to talk to you about the Alex Verdugo thing, and you know, throwing the ball into the stands and and having a Yankees fan catch it and throw it back at him. It was intended for a Red Sox fan, and. I was, like Alex, I, I mean, I was a little surprised. Look, I understand the Yankees, uh, you know, the, the fans going to be banned for life. Same thing with Major League Baseball. But you know what? I was kind of surprised there wasn't more blowback because my first reaction was, if that happens at Fenway Park, 
we are having an inquisition by the national media. Now, you know that, Rob. We are having an inquisition about the national media. Are you surprised there hasn't been that much blowback to it? Because, I, I, first of all, I, I, I just find it, first of all, I find it incredibly dangerous. I've never gotten the idea of throwing. I want the ball. The, the, the randomness of going to a baseball game and having a ball land in your hands from the field to play, to me, is something that makes the game special. So I never got throwing the ball back. But that's just not safe. And, and I, I don't understand why more people aren't making a bigger deal out of it. I agree with you. I agree. And I think SportsCenter buried it. Um, you know, I, I think this is, this is a case where... This is a case where this guy threw the ball at the player. He, he, he threw the ball at the player. And the fact of the matter is that you're absolutely right. And, and if it was in Boston, it would be a whole different deal. And you have, in a, a case in point, Kyrie Irving. Right. Irving was a water, water bottle got thrown at Kyrie Irving. It was brought to light by Kyrie and, and all of that. So it was a little bit different in that respect. But there wasn't any difference. It was one moron throwing something at a player. And that moron should be held accountable. And it's a big deal. And so anybody who says it's not a big deal, I would ask this. When's the last time you... Oh, I think we lost the drop. Oh, you there? Yeah, just repeat that. We dropped your line for a minute. Yeah, sorry about that. So I was just saying that 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 if anybody who says that this isn't a big deal, just understand that Alex Cora pulled his team off the field. This does not that does not happen a whole lot. Mm. So if that happens, it's a big deal. And and yeah, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Jeff. I'm a little surprised. Uh, speaking of the outfield, I did want to ask you about the Red Sox outfield defense. Uh, you know, it seems to me that one of the things that the Red Sox, the last time they won the World Series, one of the things they were able to do is put together is put together a team that really was greater than the sum of its parts. So to me, it was one of the most. If any other franchise had done it, we we would have been. I mean, we'd be singing its praises. If Tampa Bay had done it, it would have been one of the greatest jobs ever. But that team was really carefully put together, and I think there was a lot of emphasis, wasn't there, on defensive stats and defensive analytics and that. Is there, are there similarities between that? team in this outfield because between Renfro Verdugo and, and Kike Hernandez that is the best defensive outfield in baseball I I, I don't think right. there's any question about it right and then we didn't really see that coming I mean Kike Hernandez now he's going to play second base for a while until Arroyo gets back but you're right I mean we thought Kike Hernandez was going to be the second baseman we didn't in fact we like oh who's going to take over for Jackie Bradley in center field and whoever it is you feel bad for him because everyone would have said, oh, Jackie would have made that catch. And I can tell you, we haven't said that a whole lot. These guys have been really good. They have excellent arms. They have accurate arms. And it's been absolutely one of the strengths of their, this team. There's no question about it. Hunter Renfro has been a fine for Bloom in, in a lot of different ways. Alex Verdugo, he's really been solid his first full year. So, yeah, I mean, it's a good observation by you because I do think that we can talk about what has made this whole thing work. And it absolutely has been this outfield that they've been able to put together. And that will be interesting because Duran's going to play out there. He's not the defensive center fielder that Kike Hernandez is. He's fast, but he's not. He's still, he's a guy who came up through college as a second baseman. 
he has to figure it out. But it is it really has been interesting to watch these guys out there. It's been fun to watch, to be perfectly honest with you. Rob, before we let you go, can you tell me why Nick Novetta has been so good on the road? Oh, man. I, he, you know what? They have – I don't I don't have a, a reasonable answer why, you know, he hasn't been that great at Fenway Park. I do know this, is that he obviously has been a great find for them. He's had some a pretty good year. He's had some really good moments. But they – whether it's on the road or at home, he becomes a really, really important part of it. They cannot – it's one thing to have Garrett Richards and Martin Perez be up and down. Have a third guy be that. And Pavetta, to his credit, hasn't been that way. He's been pretty solid, and people love in Boston love watching him pitch because he has the mentality that Rick Porcello did, the people that the bulldog mentality. But he does have to be consistent, home, road, whatever, because now we're getting into the home stretch here. Mr. Bradford, it was great of you to do this, man. Thanks so much. Thanks a lot. Guys, any time. I look forward to it. It's going to be a fun last couple of months. It yeah. should be. Take care, my friend. Rob Bradford of WEEI.com in Boston. And, yeah, that, that is interesting because I, I was blown away. Yeah, I, and, and I was reading the Red Sox game notes, Bark, you know, and if you, if you go by fan graphs, by defensive runs saved, 21 in the outfield. Hunter Renfro, 5. Alex Verdugo, 5. <laughs> It's pretty good. Yeah, well, right right field there in Fenway Park's the, the hardest one to play, right? It's got it's big yep. gaps there. The ball, it carries. It's, you know, the wind is blows weird in that part and of the ballpark. people forget that. People forget about that. It's the same thing as Coors Field. Everybody says bandbox, bandbox, bandbox. Yeah. There's a lot of ter- there's a lot of territory in parts of that outfield. Yeah, it's all, well, it's about where you position yourself, too, right? Where the right field line, where the pole's at. you got to be real careful. You know, you want to play away from that if the ball's hit down there. You know, it's either a home run or it's going to come off that wall and shoot off that wall you got to be real good at, at playing the the quirkiness of of right field yeah that, that look there's a reason why they're in first place you know that they have a really good middle of the order they're, they've had some nick pavetta's step up and do their thing back to nick pavetta right he hmm. leads the american league uh, uh hitters hitting 176 against him on the road he's only given up three homers now what do the blue jays do they hit a bunch of homers that'll hmm. be an interesting thing to see right can they lay off his breaking ball league's hitting 126 off his breaking ball so they're gonna have to attack that early but there's a reason why the Red Sox are in first place you know they, they, they get timely hitting they got a really good back end of the bullpen uh, they, they've got some all-stars in the middle of their order which is a big deal and they play some really good outfield defense which is what you have to do in 2021 with everybody trying to hit the ball in the air you want to be the best Jeff you got to beat the best and that process could very well start tonight for the Toronto Blue Jays. First of three against the Boston Red Sox, only on Sportsnet 590, the fan, and Sportsnet. Lots of baseball talk right around the corner. Writer's Block is next.